0: James chapter 1, we're gonna be looking at that. It's gonna be awesome. I love James chapter 1. So what I'm gonna talk about is this is the three realities of true religion. The three realities of true religion. We look at James chapter 1, we're a Bible-teaching church. We go through the Bible, that's what we're gonna be doing. And so James is a straight shooter. James is like a father. He's like a dad. He's like he's going to tell us how to live the Christian life. He's going to tell us how to how to be practical about your life. He's going to shoot straight. And so he's going to be it's a correcting letter. It's also a challenging letter. Might even make you feel a little uncomfortable. James is the brother of Jesus. So this is written to people that would have been in the tent in that day, people that would have been in the cars in that day. This is written to a church that is following Jesus Christ that's been dispersed. And so this is an incredible opportunity, however, if you're new to church, it's an incredible opportunity to peer into what it would look like if you actually were a Christ follower. So we're all going to win today. So we're going to give a little background. This is jam-packed with personal advice about being a Christ follower. It's talking about how to survive troubled times, how to survive trials, how to survive temptations, how to have a faith that works when life is not working well. So it was a scary time, like it's a scary time now. This was written during a scary time where people are scattered and they are literally running for their lives. Their lives have been turned upside down. They're going through tough times. And James says, hey, when that happens, I get it. You need wisdom. Clearly, you need God's wisdom for the journey. So all you got to do is just ask God and he's going to give it to you. And then he says also, talking about trials and temptation, he says, man, and there is a reward for you. There is a reward if you would pass the test. You are going to receive a reward that God has promised to those that love him. And so what we're going to do now is we going to begin in James chapter 1. We're going to finish this chapter beginning in verse 18. It says this, Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits, of all his creatures. Now, what is that talking about here, that we should be a kind of first fruits of all his creatures? Well, James is saying this is your identity. This is who you are. You are God's prized possession. God loves you. You are exquisite. You're like exquisite fruit that the farmers would pick there. And so then it says this, of his own will. My first point is this is true spirituality, Christ following, it starts with God. Doesn't start with you, starts with God. God made the first move. The Bible says when we were enemies, Christ loved the ungodly. Jesus died for me, showed me his love, had nothing to do with me. So out of his own will, not your will, and James here, the brother of Jesus, it wasn't James's will who Jesus was his big brother, now he's the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, but recognize it was his choosing, not John's choosing, not uh, James' choosing, not our choosing. It was his initiative, not your initiative. It was all God. It was God moving towards us, revealing himself to us. Uh, We didn't even seek him or acknowledge him. The Bible says in Romans 5.11, it says, says that while we were yet sinners... Christ. We were in sin world. We were lost. We were out there. Christ at that moment died for us. So we want to remember that true religion, true spirituality begins with God. Not our idea. We got to remember it's all about amazing grace. So remember this is from James who grew up with Jesus, who could not be bothered by his big brother that thought that he was God. And James is like, yeah, think whatever you want to think. Wasn't until the resurrection. So even James realizes it wasn't my will, but it was his will, the choosing of my brother Christ who happens to be God. So it says, he that is God the Father brought us forth that gave us birth there by the word of truth. Again, friends, it all starts with God. So that we're born again by the good news that is what we call the gospel. God gives us life, a new nature, It begins with him. That we, here's the purpose, that we should be a kind of first fruits. That speaks of your importance, that you are a prized possession by God. So verse 19. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. When he says, know this, it means, hey, everybody listen up. You need to listen to what I'm going to say to what James is saying. Now, remember, they're facing trials, difficulty, hardship. They've been removed from their homes. Do you think people might be just a little bit angry? You might be a little bit set off like people are today. But he says, this is how you're going to be. And you read that and you think to yourself, yeah, but I'm like the opposite of that. I'm the very opposite. I am quick to speak. I'm not slow to speak. I am quick to give my opinion. And so out in the chat, by the way, are you quick to give your opinion? Are you slow to speak? Or are you quick to speak? And so, uh, you know when you meet with people, and all of a sudden you're having a conversation, and they've got to look at their tweet, they've got to look at their text messages, and you're talking to them, and they're like, they're like this. They're not quick to listen, they're like this. I'm talking about. Oh, excuse, excuse me, just a sec here. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, and they're not even listening. Or now, even worse, give the, the Apple Apple Watches. Now you're talking to them. They're they're like this. They're kind of look, they're looking and they're looking at their watch and their phone and everything. And you realize like they're not listening. And so uh, technology is awesome, but we have more excuses not to listen than ever in the history of mankind. And so what he's saying is this. Be slow then. These are good social habits. Be slow to speak. And again, most of us were born the exact opposite of this, that we are quick to speak. We are quick to give our opinions. We're quick to jump on Facebook and give our opinion that goes worldwide for all time, and the damage can never be taken back. And so uh, and then you meet with people, and then you're talking to them, and you're even thinking to yourself, would you just get over I've got something so awesome to say, if you would just get over. But here's the reality, all that to say this. Here's the reality, as that true religion, true Christ following, begins with God. But secondly, it points to the reality that God can transform you. God can transform you, and we're going to unpack that a little bit more, how you interact with people in your life. I'm just going to say there's a lot of you here, you still need to be transformed with how you interact with people. Like, we're all on a continuum. We're all in different places. And and, and all of us could use some help with how we interact with people. So God can literally transform you, can change your lives. That you would actually be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. And so, and get it, friends, that this is absolutely impossible without Jesus. Only he can transform your nature and how we interact. And so we know what it's like to be talking to somebody that is not listening to you at all. So Proverbs says this about holding our tongues. Proverbs 10, 19 says, he who holds his tongue is wise. In fact, it says you you can be thought of as more wise than you are when you simply hold your tongue. So I want to ask you, how are you doing in that category? How are you doing in that part of your life? Are you slow to speak? Uh, or do you just blurt out whatever you think just impulsively, even social media? Just got to get it out there. Or are you a good listener? Uh, I think a, a question that uh, comes to us all the time is, Is uh, are we going to listen? Or are we going to actually give people the gift of listening and honor them? Or do we just got to say what we have to say? And then he says, slow to anger. He's saying, are you the type that just reacts and retaliates because you're angry and it comes out uh, verbally. And then what he's saying here is that we want to be to slow down. To slow down is literally what it means here. Now, I think that we have more reasons to be angry than ever in our, in our history. Think about all the people who are cooped up homeschooling, parents frustrated, kids frustrated. We have quarantines. You can't travel. You can't go out to eat like you used to. Uh, we have all the political craziness, all the polarization of our nation, all the racial issues. I mean, we, we are, I, I believe that we're, we've never wanted to yell more. We never want to be more angry than ever in, in our history here. And so you have so much, just like these people, so much Pressure on them to be angry, but the Bible says this. It says this about uh, not letting our anger just be blurred out. It says this. It says Proverbs fifteen twenty eight. The heart of the godly. Here it is a profile of the godly. You think you're a godly person? Okay, let's see how you're doing. It says the heart of the godly thinks carefully before speaking. The heart a godly person. Thinks carefully, Proverbs 15, 28, before speaking. In other words, the heart of the godly is not just impulsive. The heart of the godly reflects uh, and resp- uh, and, uh, uh, before responding. The heart of the godly doesn't just react. The heart of the godly, before they speak on social media platforms, thinks about that. See, the heart of the godly puts their mind in motion before their mouth in motion. This is the heart of the godly. So verse 20 says, for the anger of man. Remember, they're angry people. Our nation is angry. The anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. In other words, you can unleash your anger in ways that that God would not approve of. We can do this. We're talking about deep-seated anger. And I think that many of us here today are more angry than you've ever been. So, how pertinent is this for us? Yeah, we deny it. Yeah, we justify it. But sometimes we don't have a self awareness of how we're expressing our anger. But, friends, here's my challenge to you. Here's my challenge to you in the tent, to you online in the cars here and drive in drive-in church. My challenge to you is that during 2021, to let God work on how you express your anger. True religion means that you are truly transformed. Not that you just stay the same all the time or get worse. True religion begins with God. It's his idea. And so anger exploding in our nation, you don't also have to mismanage your anger. Proverbs 29 11 says this, says fools give full vent to their rage. Fools do that. Fools give a green light when they're ready to get upset. They give a green light to the full expression of their rage. That just shows shows that you are a fool. And so uh, g- continuing in verse 21 says this. Therefore, having said all that, put away your anger and be slow to speak and Be quick to listen. Therefore, put away all moral filth and rampant wickedness or evil and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your soul. Friends, this is what true spirituality does. We're going to unpack this here. So it says, there are things that you need to put away. Now, how could that be? And again, it's written to the church, written to Christ's followers not before they follow, but while they're following, it says that you need to put certain things away. Could it be because in our day and age, the fact is the world around us is constantly discipling you three to five to eight to 10 hours a day and uh, uh, through the things that we watch, the magazines that we read, through the blogs that we read and what we see on the internet and the sites that we traffic with, and the scripture is literally saying this. It's saying that put away filth, and why would you do that? The original language actually speaks of it as being, I know it's gross, speaks of it like being earwax. Like it means you need to, like, there's stuff you need to, like, clear out in, in the natural you can't hear. And think about when all the evil and stuff builds up in our lives, there's stuff that builds up that undermines our actually being able to hear God. And so what he's saying here is that there are things which you need to put off because we can be shaped by a world that we live in and the majority of the shaping is out of step with God's heart. Out of step with God's heart and His desire for us. So then it says this, you're to receive the engrafted word. Well, what does that mean? What does it mean to receive the engrafted word? Well, it means this, you are to welcome you are to embrace, you are to accept here the implanted word that is God's word. Okay, had they received it before? Had they received, I'm asking, had they received it before? This is a church. They'd received it before, so what does this mean? Now they're receiving it again. It literally means again and again and again. And so they're saturating themselves with what they've received. They're receiving God's word afresh, which is able to save you. That literally means a, a dynamos, dynamite. There's a dynamic power there at work in God's word. Uh, the power to save you, the power to rescue you, the power to make you a whole person is there. So there's things that you need to put away. He says God's word transforms us Because it gets inside of you, and that's how it transforms you, guides your life. Jeremiah put it this way. I love what Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 15. He said, when I ate or when I devoured your words, he said, when I discovered your words, I devoured them. So this is speaking of a word, God's word, implanted within us, okay, implanted within us that can change us. And so here's my question to you. That being the case, what is it that perhaps practically you're to put away? Could it be that you're to put away an attitude, put away an action, put away a maybe a habit, put away a, a website? What is it that we're to put away? It says, seeing that you've received the engrafted word, you are to put certain things away. And so James is saying this. This is how we're to receive, speaking of the church, receive God's word. And so, again, they're receiving the word that they have already received. So what does this look like? You're to continually to receive it. And so I recognize this morning that I am not saved by works. I receive that I'm saved by grace. So why would I try to work my way into God's good favor? I recognize I've got to to absorb it to recall what God has said, maybe to rehearse what he said, that he loves me, that I'm God's prized possession, that he is for me and not against me. His thoughts are toward me, that his banner over me is love. And I receive it again and again and again. And watch, friends, verse 21 is connected to verse 22. He doesn't just jump out of nowhere and say, yeah, like church, you've got to get your boots on the ground that we got to start doing stuff. No, not at all. It's look, like, having received all of this. Now, hey friends, there's something we got to do. Now that you know that, what are you going to do? So verse 22, he says, having received, and listen to God's word leads to doing, here it is, be doers of the word and not hearers only. And there's a grave danger deceiving yourselves. So James' concern is for certain types of people. Uh, What kinds of people is he concerned about? He's concerned, friends, of people just like you. He's concerned this morning with pastors. He's concerned with seminary graduates. He's concerned with church goers. He's concerned with people that are attending church faithfully. He's concerned with students Of the word. He's concerned with those that study the word. But his concern is not just listening. It's good to listen. But what he's concerned with is merely listening. What he's concerned with is hearing that does not lead to being transformed. That's what he's concerned with. He's saying, Yeah, we want to listen. We want to listen, but not stop there. Yeah, we want to pay careful attention. Yes, we want to study. Yes, we want to meditate. Yes, we want to memorize. Yes, we want to apply. But look, here's the bottom line. What you do flows out of what you received. And now we're being warned. This is a warning for you. A warning for everybody online. A warning for all the drive-in. A warning for in the tent. This is a warning from God's word to us. Because he says, look, Everybody that I just described there that merely listens is in a dangerous place, a dangerous space of being deceived. Everyone here is in a dangerous place. You can be, have your doctorate in theology and be in a dangerous place of being deceived here. And I think, this is my opinion here, but I think we lack self-awareness when it comes to this. And I think we can be blinded to the ultimate reality of our true spiritual state, and that is, you can come to church. and say, man! And last week, man, he was funny. That was, that was good. He was funny. Did you see last week? It was funny. The guy, the guy on YouTube, was really, really good. In fact, did you see last week? Those cool illustrations, like Pastor Roddy was wild, and he pulled that thing. That, that, was, that was that was good. I we we can we can be entertained. We can enjoy it. We can love the the music and all. I say, man, I, I went to church today. And it was good, and I'm good with God. God is good with me, and that may not be the case. That may not be the case. God may not be good with you, even though you think that you're good with God. You can think that you're right with God because you've been going, you've been listening, you've been faithful, and so you have to be a doer, though, because that flows out of verse 21. And so being a hearer, friends, it's easy. I mean, you jump on YouTube, and you listen to these these exquisitely like world-class gifted speakers it's so easy to listen I like you I listen to many of them every week and it's so easy for me to sit there and listen but being a doer requires that you respond you respond to to what you've received so if you're a hearer yeah it's great to take notes great to underline your Bible Great to listen to podcasts and you that's it's all great. It's all great. But here's the deception. I think to myself, if I hear it, if I uh, know it, it's as good as doing it. And it's not. It is not. So say you're here and you're on a on a diet, maybe a health food diet, because what happened is because your blood pressure is going up, your cholesterol's out of control gaining, you know, too much weight, and your doctor says, here's a book, a dietary book, this is going to make you better, I give this to you on the authority of all my medical knowledge, do this and you will live. So you take the book home, and you read it, and you underline it, uh, you you blog about some of your favorite recipes, and you think it's awesome, and you're so happy uh, uh, to go back to the book, the health book again and again and again but you never do one of the recipes. You never actually get around from enjoying it and being entertained by it and looking at all the pretty pictures and all that. You never move from that to actually doing it. You see, that's what what he's speaking of here, is that as good as all that may seem, that person is deceived. They are absolutely deceived, thinking they're gonna get better when they're going, they're just a, just a, a death spiral. They're not going to get better and so that is the truth. So how is it then that we become doers of the word? You know a lot about the Bible and be, and be as self-deceived as anyone. And so how do you become a doer? Being a doer friends begins at home. Being a doer begins with your relationships. Being a doer something you start in the workplace, something that you, you do you do at church. Being a doer, Uh, is with your grumpy neighbor that always has a bad attitude. Being a doer is with the disgruntled cashier at Target this afternoon. Being a doer can begin with a nursing home, can begin with an orphanage. Friends, I want to say this. The opportunities to be a doer are absolutely staggering. They are astonishing, amazing, the opportunities there. And so We're given this illustration to expand on the point of verse 23. It says, if anyone's a hearer of the word and not a doer, it's like a person who looks intently at his face, his natural face, in a mirror. Now, how many people have been looking in mirrors lately? How many people have been looking in mirrors? Come on. So I, I have a story to tell. This morning, I had a couple, few opportunities to look in a mirror. I got up kind of, I got up early this morning and uh, we keep our house cool at night, and sometimes, for my liking, it is very cool, like like cold. But it's okay. So last night, what I did is I put on a like a cap, and then on top of that, because it, w- it was cold last night, on top of that, I put on a hoodie. On top of that, I put on another uh, garment there. Three layers, two on my head, and the hoodies down about like this. The hoodie's down about like this. So I kind of thought, like, man, I look like I'm look like a gangbanger or something. And so I got up and uh and I was walking by the mirror and I thought, I don't even want to look. I it's gonna be so bad, I don't even want to look. And so I just walked by the mirror. Now of course I got up later and I looked, but I looked in a mirror. But what happens when you look in a mirror? What does the mirror do? Does the mirror talk to you about you? are you going to leave me on the stage all by myself? Are you going to like answer? Does the mirror talk to you? Does it say like, hey, like your hair's messed up and uh, you got this wrinkle right there. You got this, this thing sticking out of your ear. It speaks to you, right? And so what the Bible is saying is this. It's saying that, is that God's word wants to speak to you and you don't want to do verse 24. It looks at himself. It goes away and once forget what they look like. And so what you do is you use a mirror to evaluate what you look like. Now, just as a mirror, so so don't miss this, just as the mirror reflects what you look like on the outside, the scripture, God's word, reflects what you look like on the inside. That's what it is. It reflects what you look like on the inside. Verse 25. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres in it, be no here who forgets, But a doer who acts will be blessed. So, how do you be a doer? Well, first of all, to be a doer, okay, first thing you got to do, really simple, you got to read it. You got to like read the scripture, okay? I want to says, but the one that looks, uh, one that looks, uh, doesn't mean that they just kind of casually, casually, just kind of glance at it. Back to what it means is, is that you're gazing. What it means is that you're contemplating. What it means is, is that you're considering it. What it means is you're closely looking at it. You're thinking about it. So it says the one that is blessed is the one that perseveres in that. The one that is is careful and not just sort of like casual with it. And so God wants us to, to spend time gazing into the Scripture and not just glancing at it. In the mirror of God's Word, just like the mirror this morning begins to speak at you, the mirror of God's word will begin to speak to you, and you will you will you will hear God's voice. You hear God's voice through God's word here, and you will grow and you'll be transformed. The mirror will show you where you need to be ch- challenged, where you need to be where you need to change. So you begin first of all. You just read it. I talked about you rever- you review it. It says persevere means to continue to do so over and over again. And so I want to ask all of us here this morning, those on the chat too, have you ever seen yourself in the mirror of God's Word? Have you ever seen yourself in the mirror of God's Word? Uh, What did you do about what you saw? So so here, here we are and say you're going to take up the challenge there of the mirror of God's Word. And the big idea is that you allow the Bible then, watch, you're allowing the Bible to speak to you. And so I had to call you out to be a doer who acts, it says. A doer who, well, what is there to act on? Oh, so I'm reading right there. Oh, there's a sin for me to confess. Yeah. Oh, gosh. There's an attitude to change. Philippians chapter 2, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who is equal with God thought of not robbery to be equal with God. And then he goes on this pathway of downward mobility, and he ends up on the cross, begins at a place where he can go no higher, ends at a place he can go no lower, says, let that be inside you. Oh, okay, I need to work that. I need to work that whole humility thing out there. So I, I, there's, a, there's a mindset to change. Then you're reading along here, there's a command. Oh, yep, there's a command to obey. See, we're being doers of the word now. Though, Look, you see an example Jesus reaching out to the poor. Yep, uh, I, I never want to do that. Maybe maybe, I, maybe that needs to be a part of my life. There's an error to avoid. Hmm, oh, that's an error. Proverbs 13, 20. They that walk with wives shall be wise, but the companion of fools suffers much harm oh, you mean if I did hang out like with people that do dumb things, like I'm gonna suffer? That's what it says, bro. That's what it says, like stupid rubs off. There's an error to avoid there. Then it says maybe there's a truth to believe. See what I'm talking about is that you're becoming a doer of the word. And it says if you do that, friends, you'll be blessed. You'll be happy. You'll be glad that you did it there. You'll have joy But the blessing is what you do, not just that you listen and hear and went to church, then you'll be deceived thinking you're gonna be blessed. Okay, I mean, you may be blessed for a moment, but the real blessing is in doing. So question for you, have you seen God's blessing in your life as a result of doing his word? Have you seen that? Now, having talked about being a doer of the word, James now gives some practical examples of what doing looks like. It says, if anyone thinks he's religious or has true religion or faith and doesn't bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Wow. Like, James, could you tell us what you really think? Could you tell us what you really think? that oh, That's kind of a little bit hard-hitting there. Like, it's worthless what you're doing. So some people realize when you hear what you're saying... And what you say is, it's coming out of your heart that you need a new start, that your tongue is so unbridled, so out of control, that you need to ask God for his help like every day. And I love verse 27, says this, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and keep oneself unstained from the world. So what is true religion? True Christ following, true spirituality. Well, it begins with God. You will be transformed if you engage in this journey. And thirdly, it says this. True religion helps the helpless. In this culture, they're absolutely helpless. Orphans had no help. They were on their own. They would starve to death. Not like today, it's not like orphans have all kinds of social programs and widows nothing like that. They were helpless. And so true religion, it says here, I mean, it's right there in your Bible, says helps the helpless. In our context, that would be the homeless. That'd be the widow. That'd be the orphan. That'd be the disabled. That would be the impoverished. See, we are on a mission. And what is the mission, friends? The mission, it says here, is to visit. Like, well, wait a second. The, the, do I have to have a heart for it? No, you don't have to heart. For. Do I have to have great results? Now you have to have any great results. Do I have to? Do I have to uh, like quote a scripture? No, you have to quote any scripture. Uh, what do I have to do? Well, maybe find somebody that's homeless, find somebody that needs help, and just go visit. You, you, uh, go visit. True religion. There it is. Okay, goes and visits. And so visits who? Well, the people are probably not like you, but you got to visit. Not blog about it, not talk about it, not tweet about it, not be a critic about it, not be a bystander, not sit on the sidelines, but to visit. Like you mean go, like yeah, exactly. Like, like go, like engage, like listen, like love, like just be. Yeah, yeah, you can just be with them. You, you, so what does that look like? Well, what it looks like is you don't have to have a special heart. You don't have a special calling. You just go. Because that's what true religion does, friends. That's what it does. And so you go visit them. Well, well, where can I go visit? Well, I'm going to talk about that. You can even go visit Hope City. I'm not trying to, it's not a hard sell, but I'm saying it's an option. I go, you don't know where to go. Hey, Every single Sunday, 3 o'clock, we go and we visit. That's what true religion does. Nothing great has to happen. No one has to be specially qualified. There's no special gift of visiting. And so you don't have to do anything. And so Jesus is saying, hey, those of you that really want to be real about this, I just want you to go. I just want you to be there and start with the orphans and the homeless. And yeah, sounds a little intimidating. Sounds a little overwhelming, doesn't it? And so... To visit literally means to look after, to care for. And so I'm going to tell you my story about visiting at Hope City. So I did a drive-along with a police officer. When oh, I did the drive-along, he told me, we drove by Hope City. I didn't realize it was Hope City. We, dro- we drove by, and he said to me, I would never allow my wife to be here at, in the evening. I'd never allow her to do that. The first time I came to Hope City, I had a flashback. said, oh, this is where he quoted to me he would never allow someone to drive by. His wife, I mean, to drive by. And I looked and I saw the motel and I recognized where I was. And I thought, oh, here I am. Here I am where the policeman said, I don't, don't, that, and my wife will never go there. And there I was. And so, and in and complete uh, utter transparency, um, I felt completely safe when I'm there, but I felt a little uncomfortable. And every single time, I go to visit, I feel uncomfortable. To be a doer sometimes you gotta just push through being uncomfortable or being inconvenienced. And so I was there a few weeks ago, and what happens? Same thing happens every single time. And so what I do, I got my little routine, and I get to Hope City, and there's all these homeless people there, 80% homeless. And so I look to somebody and say, Who am I gonna go talk to? And I have my routine and I'll go over them and I talk to and, uh, and I did the same thing a few weeks ago. I said, hey, tell me your story. Like, where are you from? Where do you live? Uh, have you worked? You know, what's your job? T- just tell me your story. And then I'll listen to their story. And the whole time, I'm just engaged, listening to their story. I may move on to another person, but often we'll focus on one, and I hear their story. But here's what I need you to know. There's not been one time, not one time, friends, that I don't walk over there. When I'm walking over to the person, I always feel uncomfortable. I've never been like, yeah, this is awesome. I'm going to go talk to him. No, I feel uncomfortable. And there's a little thing I got to push through. Come on, Rod. Like, man up. And I walk over to him. And then as soon as I start talking, I'm always blessed. I've never gone there and not been incredibly blessed. But there's always that feeling of just a little uncomfortable to get there. But true religion, okay, true spirituality, true Christ following cares more about the doing than the, oh, I'm a little uncomfortable or I'm a little inconvenienced here. And so that is our opportunity. So what do you do? You listen, you love, you hang out, you ask their story. That's all it takes to go and visit. And friends, I want this church to be a church that does James chapter 1, verse 27, and visits the community, visits the hood, visits San Bernardino, that we're we're the kind of people there that helps people that need help. And so that's the message. Right on, baby. And uh, give it up for God's word. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Father, help us to be a people that receive from you, receive uh, who you see us to be the first fruits of all your creation. Father, I pray this morning that you would help us to step into true Christ following, true religion. Father, that we would cross the line and say yes to helping the helpless. That we would be a people that are transformed by you, by your word. That we be doers of the word. And Father, that we would recognize That it begins with you. Because of your will, your purpose, your initiative, your beginning the journey. It's all about you. So, Father, pray, I pray you'd bless everybody been listening online. I pray your blessing over everyone in their cars and driving church. I pray your blessing over everyone in the tent. Because we're not just gonna be hearers of the word but doers also. In Jesus' name, amen.